Welcome to the 1717 Podcast, a ministry of Roseville Baptist Church with Pastor Jackie Hill. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is only truth and untruth. And Pastor Derek Ambrose. We have to stop searching for truth in our culture when God's already given us the answer. Jackie and Derek answer important questions with the truth of God's Word. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Here's your host, Derek Ambrosen. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode 27 of the 1717 Podcast. I'm Pastor Derek Ambrosen, and I'm joined by Pastor Jackie Hill. Jackie, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. You know, <laughs> this is one of those subjects, too, that we're going to be getting into today. That, uh, you know, I'm hoping we're still great after that. Yeah, yeah, no, no kidding. This is, uh, this one today was actually, we'll just get right into it, a uh, a listener question Yes. um, from a gentleman at our church, uh, Lee, who asked about women's role in the church, one that's uh, widely debated, very hot topic. So the, the question that we're really addressing is, should women serve as pastors? I know, Jackie, you've gotten this question a bunch of times. Oh yeah, yourself. Um, this More is, times than I can count. Yeah, this is one of the bigger dividing factors among denominations, among churches as a whole. Yeah, really. Uh, so we figured, hey, with especially with the listener question, this is a good one to confront. And uh, we, you know, our, our hope and prayer is that as you listen to this, you'll listen with grace and and just a, a desire to understand what the scripture does say. Yeah, because I mean, it's such a hot topic. I mean, most all of you probably heard of Beth Moore. And I mean, she just recently, in her own words, left the SBC because of uh, this sort of subject matter. I mean, it was complementarianism, um, but uh, and we're not really going to get into that at all. That may be another podcast, um, but she left the SBC over really uh, this sort of uh, subject. Mm-hmm. And so it is a hot topic and one that's really right there with us right here now. So um, I think as we get started, it's important to do terminology. And so we're going to be using the terms pastor, overseer, and elder interchangeably. Uh, In the scripture, these all are the same role, uh, same church office. Uh, You see it used in Acts 20, uh, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, 1 Peter 5, and elsewhere. But uh, these terms are really interchangeably uh, used throughout the scripture. And then also a warning, too. Uh, James 3, uh, verse 1 says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such will incur stricter judgment. So. Serving as a pastor is something, as a teacher of God's word, is so serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that we really need to be careful in doing. Uh, Jesus, Jesus himself said if we lead someone astray, it'd be better we had a millstone tied around our neck, we'd be thrown into the ocean. So it's a very serious thing. So it's important for us to do it, to make sure that we're trying to do it and follow God's design regarding this. Because if we're doing it our own way, man, we could really be in trouble. Yeah, that's a great verse, that James 3.1. I remember before I was ordained, uh, talking to a pastor who told me, you know, when, when you're ordained, when you're a pastor, this is not, uh, that's not a title to wear around like a badge of honor. It's, right. you know, you're basically sent, you know, you're, you're signing up for battle, for war every yeah. day. And, and yeah. as a servant, you know, th- this is not, it, it's a, it's a high calling. It's a big calling. Um, but like this says, it does incur a stricter judgment. So we shouldn't just be teachers. We shouldn't just be pastors all willy nilly. Uh, because it feels good, and it definitely doesn't, well, usually, if you're the right pastor, it doesn't pay that well either, so you're not generally doing it for that reason, <laughs> if you're actually preaching the Word. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think that is a great warning. So as we get started, 
we're going to go through the biblical qualifications and requirements for that pastor, elder, or overseer, and it it is very clear what those are throughout uh, Scripture. So I'm going to start with Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9 that say this, For this reason I left you in Crete, this is Paul writing to Titus, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city, as I directed you, namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. So first off, we get a a long list of things that a pastor ought to be and how they ought to be living and things they ought to be avoiding, uh, which is, you know, very, very clear what those are. But then the interesting part is it is addressed to a man specifically and then uh, goes along with that as well and says the husband of Mm -hmm. one wife. And so I, I think it's, it's important. You may be able to just say, oh, well, that was just, you know, because that's how Paul spoke. But we know that the Bible is the word of God and God is not a God of confusion and he doesn't make mistakes. So for uh, a slip of the pen to just say man when it's meant anybody, uh, that that seems very far reaching and, and I would argue just wrong interpretation of that. So we see just in Titus right away that it's, you know, addressed to a man, but We've said before, Jackie, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, right. and, and I think a great way to figure out understandings of passages that we don't fully understand is to look at what the rest of the Bible says and see themes, and so I think there's a, there's a few other verses you're about to bring up that will show us this theme continue. Yeah, so the two most popular passages, again, when we look at what uh, a pastor is and, and what the responsibilities and requirements are, are that Titus one that you just read. And then one that's probably even more well-known, more popular, would be the First Timothy chapter 3 passage. And, and this is what it says. This is a trustworthy statement. So First Timothy 3, 1 and following. This is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, Able to, de- able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? and not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must be must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So we're, we, we, there's just so much there, right? I mean, he, 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 man, husband, uh, same sort of terminology in Titus, but here it's used more abundantly over and over and over and over again. And so the idea here is that there's really no way to read that Titus 1 passage or this 1 Timothy 3 passage um, in any way other than to interpret it as this is speaking about a man um, and, and, not, and not a woman. And so that must be one of the requirements then is that, that it is to be a man. Yeah, and, and looking in the middle of that passage, 
there, uh, you know, when Paul says, if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how can he take care of the church of God? Yep. And what that, what that starts to show us is the, the home. So, uh, you know, our own home and the house of God are to follow the same pattern. It's, right. it's not uh, one thing, one design for the church and one design for the home. They, they both work together uh, because that's how God designed it to be. Exactly. So we'll come back to this first Timothy passage a little later, but for now, I think, yeah, it's important for us to go in and look at the home and see how God has ordered or structured the home mm-hmm. to know that, that this is also how the house of God is to operate too. Yeah. So Colossians three eighteen through 19 says, wives be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord and husbands love your wives and do not be embittered against them. So you get that it, as is fitting in the Lord. So it's it's clear that wives being subject to their husbands and husbands loving their wives, that's fitting for the Lord. That's that's how it ought to be. And then Ephesians 5, going uh, the same concept. Uh, this is a little bit longer passage, but I'm, I'm going to read through it. 21 through 33 says, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. What Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water for the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Mm -hmm. So a lot there in how, you know, we've read this at weddings, and how husbands and wives ought to be with one another, and the most common parts of that are, women respecting their husband and men loving their wives. Yep. Both of those things are are great things and they work together. And if there's ever a uh you know a power struggle or there's uh, abuse or you know and we've addressed that before like there's no place for that. It, it, these this relationship they work together mm-hmm. in a way that God orchestrated it to be for the you know for the well-being of that couple and it also represents the relationship between Jesus and the church and how he loved the church. He was the head of the church, but ultimately gave himself up for the church as a result of that, uh, which is, you know, the, the biggest sacrifice in history. Yeah. And and, and it's just, it, it's important again to, to make this connection, right? Verse 32, he said, this mystery is profound, but I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. So he's given the roles for husbands and wives. And he's explained the differences that they have and and some different responsibilities that they have. So man here is, is clear He's supposed to be the spiritual leader. And and leadership God's way, I think it's important for us to distinguish it. Leadership God's way is not about authority. It's about responsibility. So remember yeah. that because we're going we're going to hit on that a little later. But but uh, but in God's in God's view, respond it's about responsibility. Now, verse 32 says about Christ and the church. So we see here that the way that the home is structured, it's also to reflect the way that the church and, and even God's relationship with us is also to be this way too. They're to mirror one another. And so if the way the church is organized is opposite of the way that God wants the home organized, well, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. So we want to follow God's plan. First Peter 3 uh, gets into uh, the wives and the husbands' roles as well. It says this in chapter 3, verse 1 and following. It says the same way, uh, wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that if any, even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior 
of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And then you know, verse three gets into like outward appearance and it, your beauty comes from inside. It goes on and he talks about um, husbands and wives, like verse seven, husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as someone who is weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of grace. And sometimes we misunderstand this, right? And so some people are thinking, oh, well, women are weaker. What does that, what does that mean? It, uh, it's not, it doesn't mean that women are not capable, mm-hmm. right? Or that they are weaker is what we understand weaker, but more of like uh, they're more delicate, right? I, I, I use this passage a lot in premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. And I explained to uh, the, uh, the couple that uh, it's, it's kind of like a fine China versus uh, plastic plates. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dudes are like plastic plates. They get the job done. They're tough. You don't have to worry about breaking them. But the fine china is expensive and it's beautiful, but it's fragile, mm-hmm. right? And so you have a responsibility to care for, protect your wife. And we got this big debate right now about the different, you know, male and female, and you know, should transgendered uh, men who who are trying to become women should they be allowed to compete in women's sports, mm-hmm. right? And we see the disadvantages there and how these men who can't even uh, finish in the top 100 in a race of 50 people, yeah. <laughs> 50 men yeah. will come and win in a late in, in a woman's race. Right. Um, th- so we are different. Yeah. Right. And so th- that's what this is good to. We should, we should protect and care for our wives and, and, and we are made those protectors. It's just a different, there's different roles. Men can't be mothers. Men mm-hmm. can't have babies. Women can. And so it's getting into these different created orders and designs within marriage and the church has different roles for men and women too. And that's, that's part of God's plan. Yeah. And I mean, and there's a beauty in that too. Yes. People like to look at this and you know, there for a long time. And even now some, when I read that verse seven, I kind of cringe about, you know, someone weaker since she is a woman. It's like, Oh man, I'm, I feel like I have a target on my back just for saying that. Right. Yeah. But, but it's, it's the honor and and the beauty and how we are created different. I think just the example of like the, the men, men playing in women's sports and stuff shows it. And you know, we all, we all know that, that there is a difference. And God says that here through, through Peter, that God did make us different, and that's okay. It, it doesn't have to be this, like, um, in this case, if women are just generally weaker physically, that they are, therefore, they are worthless. Right. That, that's absolutely not what God that's, was yeah, doing. That's you know? absurd and, and to, we're gonna, to draw that conclusion. Yeah, right? we're going to get into that a little bit later about uh, where, you know, where we get our worth and, and um, where our world like to, likes to tell us that we get our worth is very different than where God does. So it's so important to understand there are differences within marriages, which when the marriage is a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church and just the church in general, we know there's going to be differences in roles there, but that doesn't mean that one is better than the other, but they're different and that's okay. And yeah. we, and we have to, if we follow the scriptures, be okay with that and not just okay with it, but really rejoice in the fact that we are different. Right. A man and, can't and be that's a woman. Makes it great. Yep. yep. And a woman can't be a man. And we have different different roles that he's called us to, but also different aspects of who we are. We're just not the same. Yep. So now let's circle back to that First Timothy three passage, the, the requirements and qualifications for pastors, because now we want to read that again, and then one of these verses we're going to get into in First Timothy two uh, that we'll read. That's another one of those touchy ones. We'll see that it's in the same context as that. So so going back to that that First Timothy three again, this was. Any man who aspires the office of overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. And then it talks again, um, the husband of one wife, there mm-hmm. was the list of things that he must be, one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control. And then it says again, but if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care 
of the church of God. So we we have that we have that verse yep. that we looked at. Now, uh, Jack, you have for us a chapter before that, um, with all within the same context, right? Right. Within the same letter, we we like to sometimes take these chapters and say, well, chapter two and three are different when when they're written. It was it was all together. One letter. It was yeah. all together. We've split it up for the sake of tracking it and, and following it. Yep. But just because there's a header doesn't mean this was written like days or years later yeah. to a different group. This is all the same. So go ahead and give us that. Yeah, one. it's just one letter the church received from Paul. They would or Timothy would receive it from Paul, shared it with the church, and it would have read it all at one time. So there, there's we talked about this earlier. Some people debate and say, well, you know, I know it says man there and husband, but that doesn't exclude maybe women. Um, but the 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 key is. The previous chapter, Paul makes it abundantly clear what he's talking about. So then when he when you get to chapter three, and he talks about pastors, overseers, elders, and and it's it's a man, uh, we also have to understand this context. So first Timothy chapter two, starting in verse eleven, is it says that a woman must receive uh, must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. I do not allow a woman to teach or have exer- exercise authority over a man. But she is to remain quiet, for it was Adam who was created first, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Um, so this again, this can be a touchy thing for people, but we have to understand this context. So he says, a woman is not to teach or exercise authority over a man. And then just a couple verses later, he then says, an overseer, if a man wants to be an overseer, this is what he's to do. Mm-hmm. So there can really be no misunderstanding that First Timothy three passage. Uh, it's 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 something that that's saying that that men are. This is a role that God has given men specifically, and not every man is to be in this role. Yeah, yeah, and you know? and God, you know, when when Paul's writing this, he wouldn't say uh, women must receive this um, with submissiveness and not allowing them to teach or exercise authority, and then go, uh, you know, a paragraph later and be but like, women can be pastors. Oh which, yeah, they yeah. can be pastors. Exactly. Because, because in first Timothy, sense. it says one must be able to teach yeah. in first Timothy three. So th- these are very connected and that's important. And I know we know this ruffles feathers. There's people who do not like these passages of scripture and there some listening right now may look at these and do all sorts of exegetical hermeneutics to get around, to try to, uh, or gymnastics, excuse me, um, hermeneutical gymnastics. I know John Nix has, has used that before with us, and, and so I like that. But gymnastics, trying to figure out uh, ways to change the context of this or the words or look back at the original Greek and say that it was a little bit different for the sake of excluding these. But we know that all scriptures God God breathed and is useful for it, training and yep. correcting, right? And so this corrects and, us. And this is very clear. Yeah, and it, I, we didn't write this. Right, I mean, yeah. to the best of our ability, instead of us trying to take what we believe and make it fit into the Bible, to the best of our ability, we need to submit to what God's Word says and allow what His Word says to shape what we believe. Mm-hmm. And so we're just trying to read what the Word of God says and understand it and believe it and then apply it to our lives in submissiveness and humility, recognizing that God is the authority yep. and what He says goes. Um, now, we almost always end up going back to Genesis. Mm-hmm. And this is no exception for us. So let's zoom back in at this first Timothy passage so we better understand it. Because it says, again, like verse 12 and 13 there, uh, it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. I think we ought to go to Genesis 2 and, and pick up that narrative so we can see what he's talking about here. Because we, we already said that, that the, the, the house of God, right, the church, ought to... 
reflect or the home, there's the same pattern for the house mm-hmm. of God and for the home. But we see that it started before all the way to the very beginning. Yep. And this is where God's pattern started. And so if you go to the creation account, Genesis chapter two, where there's this further explanation of day six, when God created man, it says in Genesis two, verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Then the Lord God commanded the man, right? So the commanded Adam, the yep. man saying from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Then verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So if we're following this narrative, to make sure we understand what's happening here, we don't see anywhere in here where God gave this command directly to Eve. or mm-hmm. Eve's, Eve wasn't even created yet in verse 16 when God told Adam, don't eat of this tree. Yeah. So then it was Adam's responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure that Eve knew God's command. Yep. I mean, it is possible that God may have told Eve later at some other date, but we don't see that anywhere. So we, we can't make that assumption. What we have to go with is what the word says, and it says in verse 16, the Lord commanded the man, verse 18, then the Lord said it's not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. And then God created Eve. So Adam had a responsibility to lead his wife spiritually to follow the commands of God. Yeah. Right? And so ultimately then, when we get into Eve sinning, Who's it going to fall back on? So, so Derek, why don't you go with that then? Yeah, in, Genesis, in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, 6 says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Which is really mm-hmm. interesting that, so she gives to her husband, and it also has that with her. So yeah. she may have taken the fruit, but the scripture shows us that Adam was there. Yeah, Adam was there the whole time. This wasn't Adam wasn't off, you know, doing his own thing, being a man, and, and she was just being deceived alone. She was there and he was there with her, knowing the truth. In fact, they both knew the truth, but they believed the lie. They did not trust God. They didn't believe what God said. And with her, she gave to her husband who's there, and then he ate as well. Yep. And then Genesis 3, 9 through 13 says, Then the Lord God called to the man. So it went to the man, not to Eve, even though we know that God knew what happened because Eve ate first. Yep. Yep. And said to him, Where are you? Uh, Which, of course, we know this is God already knows that, but he's more (laughs) asking um, for their sake than than his sake. But he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave, or she gave me from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the, the first guilt, you know, blaming we ever see is right there with Adam. Why, you know, why did you do this thing that I told you not to do? Well, it was the woman that you gave me, God, who did it to me, all the while that Adam is standing there watching it all happen and participating. He blames his wife and he blames God. (laughs) Terrible leadership, terrible responsibility there. And his lack of responsibility in what God gave them led to the the death of him and his wife and ultimately all the pain and suffering suffering of all mankind. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And 
the key there, back to what I said earlier, that when it comes to these roles, right, when it comes to um, the the call to be a pastor, right, um, it's not about authority, mm-hmm. right? It's about responsibility. So when it comes to leadership, right, uh, being a spiritual leader, leadership in God's eyes is not about authority. It's about responsibility. Who did God hold responsible here for this for this sin? Adam. Adam, mm-hmm. but but Eve ate first. Yep. Didn't God know that? Absolutely, of course He did. Right, yep. but He comes to Adam first, and so that's the key here. And so the, again, within the church, the home, all the way back here is the the model is that God has made man responsible for himself and for his wife, and so it, this is this is God's plan. And so God held, He went to Adam first, held him responsible, and Eve had to pay for her sin too. And we're all paying for our sin and for their sin. But we 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 need to understand this is God's created order. Yeah. And so the church is supposed to reflect what God's created order is supposed to be in the home and marriage and everywhere else. Yeah, and and one one other note, you know, when it comes to this, because we have a little bit more, but uh, what a lot of this comes down to is at the end of the day, you know, it's uh it's a sufficiency and authority of scripture. Right. issue really yeah. because if you if you read the scripture the way that it was meant to be or that it was written and meant to be read the answer is very clear but if you if the scripture is not your authority um then all of a sudden this becomes a, a lot more ambiguous which is why we have the debate that we have today but but at, you know what we're trying to do always is be faithful to scripture and have yep. that be our ultimate authority, even when it doesn't always make sense. Or maybe if it were up to us, if we were God, we would do it different. Yep. But at the end of the day, God made it this way. And we know that the the scripture is worth following. So, you know, when push comes to shove, I know Jackie, you do this too, is we're going to resort to the scripture and hold to that. Yeah. So I know there will be people who listen or people that you will have conversations with about this who will not like these scriptures, but it is God's word. Um, and it doesn't matter whether we like it or not, but we pray that we learn to like it. We learn to go with it because ultimately God's uh, scripture, his word is for our good. Yeah, absolutely. And there's not my truth and your truth, Yep. right? There's just truth and untruth. Yep. And so we're sticking to the word of God. Now, really, we're, we're this question ultimately, and I'm not saying this is where it came from when Lee gave it to us. I don't believe it is. But for a lot of people, the reason we struggle with this, it comes from a place of worth, mm. right? And... um. God has given us different work, but we're of equal worth. Yeah. And so the mistake that we make so many times is that we ascribe our value and our worth as human beings, as people, to the work or the role that we have rather than who God made us to be. Yeah. Um, and that's why people want to want to change who they are. That's why we get to the transgender stuff. That's why we get into all these like. This is what I desire, but but who has God made us to be? Yeah, when we're told you can't do this, then it's yeah. you know automatically you know yeah. you feel less worth. Yeah, yeah. Gen- Genesis one twenty seven. This is where our worth comes from. It says God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created him, male and female He created them. Our worth is found in the image of God that He imprinted on us when He created us. Men and women are created equal before God and are of equal value, equal worth, and he loves us the same. And so we have different work, but we have equal worth. And the trap from Satan is, well, if I can't do this job or if if I don't have this role, then I'm not worthy. It has nothing to do. None of us are worthy, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're worth something. 
because God made us and he made us in his image. Yep. And Galatians 3.28, along with that, says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, Jackie, I've heard this used as an (laughs) argument for women serving as pastors because, look, it says we shouldn't make distinctions. Right. Now, I totally agree we shouldn't make distinctions, but the context has nothing to do with the office of pastor because then that would be contradicting all of those other scriptures we've already gone through. What this is speaking to is that we are all one in Christ, meaning that equal value in Christ. God does not discriminate uh, for who can believe in Jesus. It just comes to we are all sinners, so hey, we're all yep. equal there. We're all equally sinful, but it's you know who who is going to accept this the, the grace of Jesus? Yeah, when it comes down to it, and and what Galatians tells us is, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. God's not like, yep, sorry, women can't be saved and men can, or or whether you're a slave or whether you're free or whether you're a certain ethnicity or another one. Yep, God doesn't discriminate on that, and and. Thank God for that. Uh, otherwise, that'd be a tough, tough world to live in. But we are all one in Christ Jesus. And so to your point, yes, different roles, different work, but still all equal worth through Christ Jesus. Amen. So just to summarize all of this, as touchy of a subject as this can be for many, the Bible speaks clearly to the role of men and women and how that relates to the role of pastor. There are all sorts of reasons and arguments that people will use to say that women ought to be pastors or say, or say they ought not be but most of these arguments are irrelevant. This debate should not be about whether women can or can't be a pastor. The question is, what is God's created order in the family and in the church? We should look at the scripture to see how it is that God designed all of that to be. And let's not forget that God created woman because man needed help. (laughs) We can't do this alone. There are some things that God has given women to do that man cannot do, and other things that God has given man to do that women cannot do. And that's okay. When we follow God's plan and do it for his glory, it will always be good for us. So to answer the question, should women, should women serve as pastors? The answer is no. We do not believe the Bible prescribes and teaches that women should serve as pastors, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't serve in the church. God has called us all to serve him in the church, but not all in the same way. Amen. So that concludes today's show. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your support. God bless, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the 1717 podcast. If you have any questions, please connect with us on Twitter or email us at 1717pod at gmail.com.